As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. Welcome to a medal round edition of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. Uh, I am here on location with Chris Peters from Flow Hockey and my athletic colleague Scott Wheeler as we are recording right after the quarterfinals and an eventful quarterfinals just took place here in Gothenburg. Uh, Max Baldwin will not be here with us. Uh, he's uh, on vacation, uh, some say. Some say he might be working in California. Uh, but he's not with us. So the three of us will be chatting about the events that took place in the quarterfinals. And uh, we have to start with the extremely uh, dramatic and eventful Canada versus Czechia game with Czechia defeating Canada 3-2 on a last-minute goal in regulation. Uh, gentlemen, what were your thoughts on that game? It was really uh, the culmination of a tournament that just was a little off kilter from the start for, for Team Canada. This team never really had it. I think the way that the schedule actually set up uh, and winning their two games, their first two games the way that they did, almost put them on their back foot. Their lines never really clicked. Because they'd won their first two games, I think head coach Alan Latang was reluctant to change his lines. Then suddenly he needed a loss against Sweden to change the lines. Then you have an injury against the Germans. Your lineup isn't your lineup. You're not able to rebuild your lines and try something new because you've only eventually you're down to 11 forwards after the suspension for Connor Geeky. And suddenly things sort of just got off the rails and Canada never had chemistry. They never got to the inside. We've heard a lot of that from Hockey Canada. It was just uh, at the media availabilities for Scott Salmon and Peter Anholt, who are in charge of this year's U20 team. And there was a lot of talk of one and done and missing the net and not getting to second and third opportunities, not getting to the inside. Uh, but I think above and beyond that, this team just wasn't good enough. I think we all agree that had they not lost to the Czechs in the quarterfinals, that they likely would have eventually lost to Sweden in a potential semifinal or even the USA in a potential gold medal game had they had they sort of uh, summoned some demons against the Swedes. Uh, so it, it was just, it never got going. They never yeah. got going. Their best players weren't their best players. Matt Poitra, Matt Savoy, 
they disappointed. They didn't show up. Jordan Dume, guys who were expected to score for this team in those moments, didn't score in those moments. Uh, and their depth, uh, which is what they were sort of relying on in this tournament, just wasn't where it needed to be because of the number of players that they were missing and injuries and an infection for Tristan Luno. Uh, it, it just, from the very beginning, it never really got going the way that they needed it to. I thought the point you made about how it never was ever clicking for them and, and hockey Cannon made that point himself was very interesting. Uh, Cause I've had a few people, um, you know, you know, whether scouts or people around with various federations make this point to me too, that, you know, while at, you know, post COVID most federations have resumed to business as normal, you know, there's the summer tournaments teams have November and February international tournaments. They, they tried to, you know, evaluate players in a normal fashion. Um, you know, this, particular age group for hockey canada has been the maybe the most effective of any of the major federations because this age group did not go to the holinka they chose not to go to the holinka so they missed out on a, a massive opportunity to evaluate this age group for this age group to get international experience and familiarity with each other uh there was no summer camps this summer for hockey canada so that was due to budget issues uh you know so there was opportunity then again to evaluate the players for the players to come familiar with the coaches uh, to come familiar with each other. And I think you kind of saw towards, you know, towards the end of the Czechia game, Alan Tang, the coach, said he thought that was the two best periods they played in the tournament was those last two periods. And you kind of saw that he started to recalibrate what he thought his lineup was. You know, Jordan Dumais' ice time went down a little bit. Easton Cowan's ice time went up a little bit. Nate Danielson's ice time went up a little bit. And, you know, it, it was probably too little too late at that point. But I think it's an interesting thing in the context of, of this tournament for Canada is the fact that they really haven't given that particular age group a lot of international experience. The other thing for Canada, I think, is something that's worth talking about is the goaltending. I don't think Mathis Rousseau was bad in this tournament, but this is yet another year that Hockey Canada goes to maybe not the most highly touted name in net. Last year was Thomas Millich. The year before was Dylan Guerin. The year before was Devin Levi. Some years for them it has worked out, but obviously, Hockey Canada's goaltending issues is a long-term issue, and this is not a problem that will be solved next year or the year after that. But it is quite startling when you see that you know other nations can consistently turn out quality goaltending prospects, and that Hockey Canada has to turn into a five-foot. 10 undrafted goalie essentially be their starter. It, it's not an ideal situation, especially given this has become a consistent theme for their junior program. And not just to be their starter, but to play in every game. I actually, one of the questions I regret not asking Scott Salmon this morning was about Matthias Lousseau and their decision to play him in every game. That almost none of the federations at this tournament run their goaltenders. It's been a long time since a goaltender has played all seven games at this tournament. It's been even longer since that was successful. You really do have to go back to Justin Pokey, who was coincidentally actually the goalie coach for this team to find a tournament where a goalie played all seven games and was successful for Hockey Canada. Uh, and he looked tired. Like, I think we all agree he 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 looked tired by the end of it. Uh, I know that they they their fallback throughout the tournament when asked about playing Rousseau and not giving a look to Samuel St. Hilaire, which there was an opportunity to do in the Latvia game in the third period, in which Hockey Canada has done in the past in third periods of blowouts, just to get a goalie familiar with the rink, familiar with playing in front of the crowd, a crowd he's never played in front of. Um, so he's not cold and falling back on his last start, which is December 8th at this point. Uh, but 
it's it's tough when when you've got to play every game. Their fallback was Russo played 21 straight games in the playoffs last year for Halifax in the QMJHL, and he has not been pulled in a single game in Halifax in the last two seasons, which speaks to just how consistent he's been. Uh, but in the end, they, there were a couple of shots in that game that looked scary, and one of them beat him. Uh, I think he'd like to have at least one of yesterday's goals back. Uh, and and that was the difference in the game when Michael Harabal at the other end of the ice was fresher and played better and outperformed him. Yeah, I think he played as hard as he could, and you know he's a he's a good you know junior goalie. But I think Chris and I were having this conversation. Does that third goal, which wasn't an easy goal to stop, does that third goal get by Michael Harabal, who is six foot six as opposed to five foot ten? <laughs> yeah, it's it's. It's an interesting dynamic, and I think you know it's it's unfortunate that Hockey Canada, you know, they, they thought they had their best two periods of that last two, and then they didn't get the saves when they needed them from their goaltender, and so nothing really really clicked. But you know, I, I think in the end, you know, when they look back on this, you know, they can they, unfortunately probably to evaluate it, they're going to have so many excuses that they can lean on to say that they didn't win this tournament. But in the end, everybody has their own issues. Everybody's missing players. Everybody has injuries. Everybody has those things that they deal with. And the fact of the matter is, is that this team probably underachieved, even though it was not a great Canadian roster. Um, it, I still feel like they, especially in the against this particular tournament field, should have done better than they did. And especially against that, that Czech team where, you know, basically you had to slow down one big line, which they did for the most part. And then you also had to, you know, find a way to be a, a quality goaltender, which they didn't do. So the, they, that point about the field is something I've heard from a lot of Canadian scouts in, in the post-mortem of this tournament for Canada is that, yes, you didn't get some players from the NHL. They expected you didn't get Zach Benson, you didn't get Kevin Korczynski. You had the injuries to Luneau and to Molendick, but their point is you are still Hockey Canada. Even if you are yeah. getting yeah. your Shane Wrights or your Adam Fantilli's back, there should still be enough good players in any age group that you should be able to beat Czechia in a medal, in a medal round game. And, and not just Czechia, but the way they played against the Germans. Scott yeah. Salmon's talking this morning about how tough it was against the Germans and how they clogged the net and they couldn't get in, inside. You have to get inside against, uh, against the Germany, Germany roster yeah. that looks like that. Yeah, a German roster that's going to be playing for their relegation lives tomorrow. I mean, like that was that was another sign. I mean, and I feel like really, Scott, you said it with with they never got on the right foot, even in pre-tournament. We never saw this team like I, I, and and to Corey's point too about not having camps, just not having that familiarity with deployment, how to use the players. Um, you know, all these other teams can't. You know, Sweden and Finland come to the United States every summer. And they all have a very intense cup of week where they're basically all playing against each other. Mind you, my favorite one of those camps are the ones when Canada, when has, Canada shown- has shown up. Yeah, it's been amazing. We had Russia in there one year, too. I mean, like there were all these different situations where, you know, it, it allows these teams to prepare and they actually prepare each other. It's that whole iron sharpens iron thing. And then, you know, but they, they all do it. And Hockey Canada's, you know, basic refusal not real refusal but you know with whatever budgetary constraints there may have been for obvious reasons um you know that 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 didn't happen so in the end i think there's a lot of lessons that that hockey canada can take away the one thing that i i don't think is the lesson is you know i don't think that this means that there is a dramatic uh canadian downturn coming no. uh they've uh, been to four straight gold yeah, exactly games. Yeah, and, and exactly. just taking a peek forward that's 12 months. I, I, I did th- see I, that. I, I, I think their roster next year is going to look 
quite good. And I, I, but yeah. it, it's, uh, you know, every couple of years this happens, you know, Van, in, on home ice in Vancouver, they got knocked down in the quarters. You know, some, sometimes you have it, don't have the best age group in the world. But like I said, there's a, there's a thorough reason reasons why this applies. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, I think we've kicked Canada uh, enough um, <laughs> on this podcast, but but really, it was a wild day at the quarterfinals in general. Um, we're going to turn our attention to the tournament hosts right now because Sweden had a significant scare. They had to go to overtime against a Swiss team that only beat Norway, you know, in the in the preliminary round, um, and this was a a tough game. It ends on a power play goal from Axel Sandin Pelika. They win the game. They advance. I can only imagine what everyone in that building was thinking as you know the Swiss got a couple of good looks in overtime. Um, Sweden has always had this stigma at the World Junior Championship in particular that they get over the hump, that they can't win the big one. Only two gold medals in this event all time, but now they're on home ice. The pressure is higher. And throughout that overtime period, I, I was not in the building. You guys were. I was covering uh, games at the other building. But you could sense that palpable nervousness of this team. And you wonder, is this a hump that they just got over? Or is this a problem that could persist as the games only get tougher from here on out? And I'll, I'll start I'll start with you, Scott, because, I mean, that was, that was a wild finish to that game. Yeah, and you mentioned what it would have meant for Sweden and the Federation had they lost. What, it, what would it have meant for the semifinal picture had the Swiss advanced? I've had a couple. Of, how, about, how about the organizing committee if they lost Sweden and, and Canada, Canada the same yeah. day? Yeah. And, and TSN, for that matter, with the rights holders, et cetera. Yeah. But I, I've had a couple of people sort of from hockey, uh, sort of scouts, et cetera, that have joked that uh, had had Switzerland advanced, they might as well have handed the uh, handed the gold medal to the United States and played a silver medal game, some kind of silver medal tournament <laughs> between the other three teams. Um, but no, it was they looked... They looked nervous. Uh, that happens on home ice at this tournament. We've seen that several times over the years. There, there were some moments uh, when we were in Ostrava where the Czech team with a strong roster just looked like they were sort of crumbling under the weight of what that crowd meant and, and the pressures that came with, with games at, at Ostrava Arena in Ostrava. Uh, last night, it felt a little bit the same for the Swedes. Um, a couple of favorable penalty calls that went their mm. way too. Mm-hmm. I know the bench was hot in the third period about some calls that had also been missed. Uh, so maybe they, they, there was some good karma that was coming back to yeah. the juju airway, but it was, it was almost at the brink of a disaster and it would have almost softened the blow on hockey Canada had they lost because it wouldn't have been the only sort of significant upset of the day. Uh, and this is on a day where Slovakia also uh, upset uh, in 
if sort of air quotes, if you will, also upset the Finns. So, or, or the other way around, the Finns also upset Slovakia. Um, so yeah, it was, I'm not sure what to make of it in terms of takeaways. Uh, I still think the Swedish team is a gold medal favorite here and, and one of the two best teams left in the tournament along with alongside the Americans. Uh, but it was just one of those games at the World Juniors and they happen where it's tight for just long enough. And that, as that overtime clicked on, I mean, it, it, it wasn't an early goal in overtime. They had to play five minutes of, of three-on-three OT. Uh, and it felt like every minute that passed, it was getting more and more dangerous for the Swedes. No, we had talked all tournament about the lack of scoring that Canada was getting at crucial times and just the overall lack of depth scoring in their lineup. At, as we talk right now, Canada has more goals in the tournament than Sweden does. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that is a, the biggest concern on the Sweden team is that it's a very talented lineup. It's a deep lineup. All six of their defensemen are, are, are very quality defensemen. They have three lines that they can roll, and they're a, a good line. Hugo Havel is an excellent junior goaltender who carried them to a gold medal at the U18 level two years ago. But there is no game-breaker on this team. Jonathan Lecker and Mackey is probably the closest thing they have to him in terms of just how talented he is as a goal scorer and the high and skill he has. But he's not a guy who can just create a goal out of nothing. They don't really have that. And I think you kind of saw that in this game where it was a tight-checking game and they really needed a goal, and there's just nothing they can, there's no one guy on that team or or even a, a set of guys they can go to, to to really lean on for offense, like say USA could for the for the Goche line or for BC line. Uh, so I think that's going to be the interesting thing for Sweden going forward here into the tough games is does the offense elevate in those tight checking games, in those hard games? Uh, you know, against uh, a semifinal opponent and potentially a gold medal opponent. It did. It did feel yesterday like if it wasn't going to be Noah Ostlin and Jonathan Lecker Mackey that they might not have got it. And who were the right. two players who set up Axel Sandin Pelica when it mattered? Like those two guys in particular have been the two that have really sort of driven the bus in terms of offensively yeah. power play, even five on five. Lecker Mackey's been much better at five on five in this tournament than he's been at the pro level typically uh but yeah if, if those two guys aren't going in a, in a medal game it's it, it might be tough for them yeah yeah they, like i said they've been their best forward i just mean like you know you look at the scoring in the tournament for example they, it, they i wouldn't say you know they aren't contributing the way say a cutter goche is yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for usa yeah and he's not even contributing on the goal scoring like he normally would but he's leading the tournament with 10 points and the one thing that that i think i also bring up and i thought oslin was the guy where it looked like in the overtime where he was one of the guys that was really going but you know even lecker amaki in that in that overtime period or, or even towards the end of regulation where he was passing up shots where he was not like i was i wanted somebody to take that game by the reins and and get control of it and we didn't necessarily see that. And they're going to need that at this stage of the tournament. We've seen Lecker and Mack do that. We've seen Ogren do that at times at, at other age groups. Now they have to find a way to do it here. So that was an interesting result in the end. And now we've, we've got the the way it's set up. You have you know Sweden playing Czechia. Now you've got USA playing Finland. And Finland ended up, you know, like you said, Scott, air quotes, upset. Uh, Slovakia and you know I think the Slovakia game that was I, I was in that building I was watching the game I know Scott was there as well and we we it was a crazy finish to that one Finland ends up winning at 24 seconds in the overtime Yuri Lasilla who's been awesome for Finland in this tournament uh, scores the one of the things that this comes back to is that Slovakia decided that they would not play Adam Guyon against Team USA essentially conceding the group 
I mean, that was basically what they did. It ends up, instead of playing Latvia, they play if they would have beaten the Americans, which is certainly not a guarantee, even if Guyan was playing. They end up playing Finland, and it becomes a much tougher quarterfinal. And so for the second straight year, Slovakia is out in the quarters on an overtime goal. Um, yeah, I mean, any any other takeaways from that? It wasn't a, guar- wasn't a guarantee, but that game was really tight up until the third period. Right. And I, I, know, yeah. I know the final score ended up being lopsided. Yeah. But if Guyan is in net... Yeah, you know, USA scored five in the third. So yeah, so that was it was not a not a pleasant game for them. But yeah, it could have been a lot worse. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. I think the other thing, too, is now Finland has this opportunity after having lost to Germany in the prelims for the first time ever. They lost their first two preliminary round games. They end up beating Latvia, beat Sweden in overtime, and then they win again in overtime, nearly giving that game away. Slovakia did get a late goal. I, I think we might have jinxed Maxim Sturback too on this podcast a few days oh, ago, yeah. and we just he praise on him. And I do think he had a very good tournament, and it was a very impressive performance by him overall. And I think if you are a fan of the Buffalo Sabres, you are ecstatic with 99% of what you saw from Maxim Sturback here. But it just so happened that he had about, you know, in his final three shifts of his tournament, two big mistakes. They just, the loses a battle to a 17 year old that ends up with a puck going right into the front of his net and into the back of the net uh, on a shot by Alexander Kaskamaki and then just gets absolutely danced by Yari Lassala in the, in the overtime. I said very unfortunate end to a tournament for Sturback, who I who I think was everyone's consensus top defenseman in the tournament, but I don't expect he'll be getting that nod anytime soon. No, I don't think so. And, you know, before we move on, we should just quickly, we don't have to harp on it too much, but the U.S., has scored 36 goals in the tournament so far. They roll past Latvia in the quarterfinal. And, you know, they are the top scoring team in the tournament by a lot. They've outshot teams by 20 shots on goal as well in terms of uh, the total shots that they've directed towards the net. Um, un- the only unbeaten team remaining. I mean, you know, Corey, we talked about it yesterday. If they don't win this tournament now, it's about as big a failure as... <laughs> 
you know, it, it feels like the road's cleared a little bit. Now, that being said, Sweden is no slouch, and it's not a given that they can beat them, but they also now have to get past Finland. Wouldn't you have said the same thing, though, two years ago at the U18 level with this age group? There was, 100%. There was no way they were losing that game. There was no way they were losing. They were they dominated everybody they played against. And then but Hugo Havlet had. Hugo Havlet happened. And Hugo Havlet is back. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And while we do not have a direct USA versus Sweden matchup yet, it could potentially be the gold medal game. And for a lot of players on this Sweden and USA team, they would have a lot of familiarity with each other in that context. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is that that's probably the matchup that they want at this point now, especially given that Canada is out there. I think that they. They, they want to slay that final dragon. The 2004 birth year is now gold medalists. They're still looking for it. They've had many opportunities. A bunch of those guys played in uh, multiple under-18 world championships. A lot of them played, you know, had that heartbreaking loss to Hugo Havlet. They were on a team last year that lost to Canada in the semifinals. Now they have an opportunity in front of them, and and they're, they're saying all the right things. They haven't faced any in this tournament yet, and that's coming at some point. So... Yeah, do you, do you see them rolling through Finland, or I I, I, don't, I, don't. I I think it's a close game. It's a closer game. I think it will be a closer game. We saw against Czechia that you know a tighter checking game against bigger forwards can be a more difficult game for them in their defense. They're going to have to con- possess the puck more than and, and not turn it over. That, I mean, that finished team is heavy yeah, too. Yeah, yeah very. And, and you know, just like how like in the NHL, when the real games start, things change. The, the officiating standard, even though it's not supposed to change, it changes. Man, where there's some stuff in that Canada checking that should have been called that were not called. Yeah. <laughs> you and, know? and Sweden, Switzerland. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they're they're a little bit more cognizant of making sure that that, that the tap hook doesn't get called as much. Um, so even though we all agree that USA is by far the most talented offensive team here, um, I do not. There are no guarantees. You know, Finland has a, has a lot of great players. It may not be the deepest finish line we've ever seen in our lives. Even for Czech, it wasn't the deepest Czech line we've ever seen in our lives either. But uh, you, you can't disrespect your opponent. No. Where where do you can answer this, Chris? But where do things stand on the goaltending front? Trey Augustine and Jacob Fowler have both had good seasons this year. I know there were a couple of NHL scouts who were surprised to see Jacob Fowler yeah. get the corner fight on that chip just because yeah. of the way that Trey has played in his two starts. Do we have any sort of concrete answer in terms of who the starting goalie is the rest of the way? Yeah, I mean, USA will not confirm who the starting goalie is. They have have done that the whole way, really. They've never said that either one of them is a number one. However, I don't think that Jacob Fowler starting the quarterfinal was an indication that he's for sure the number one. I would not be surprised to see Trey Augustine take the net in the semifinal. Uh, Latvia was an opponent that I think USA was pretty confident they were going to comfortably get past. And... You know, these guys do play back-to-backs in college, but it's usually within, you know, about a week between those back-to-backs. So I think giving Trey, who also had missed a game due to illness in this tournament, um, an opportunity to rest is is probably what happened. But that's only an inference because USA will not confirm, and it was not a clear in practice, which of the two goalies was going to be the guy going. Um, so I, I could definitely see that USA does this. And I know, that, you know, that's certainly not unprecedented. As always, when we record in the middle of the tournament, uh, anything we say right now may get outdated extremely quickly and or look ridiculous extremely quickly. But we'll be back with our next episode right after the conclusion of the gold medal game. Uh, Max usually says some stuff here about subscribing and rating, and I, I forgot exactly what he says here. But do all that, and we'll see you in a few days. Thank you for listening. <laughs>